Welcome to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Joining today's episode, Gravel Express and her partner, Rad and Plaid. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BellyUpSports at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Not at all. Oh, there we go. We got the... (laughs) Got it. So I think we're just going to hit this off from... I guess the top and just get into the fact of how did you guys get into rally? Um, well, kind of, I'll start. So basically five years ago now I bought my first Subaru, which was kind of my entry into the car world. I'd always been interested in cars, watching top gear and flying hot wheels, but I had never been kind of in a place where I could really start getting into it. Like my parents aren't into cars. No one in my life was into cars, but I bought this broken Subaru and through learning to fix it, getting it back on the road and kind of starting to off-road it, I made a social media account and kind of got involved in the Subaru world, which of course pretty immediately gets you into rally if you like Subarus driving on dirt. So started following along through that. And then I think it was, 2021 I started talking to the Subaru Motorsports media team about maybe having some involvement and then we actually went down Olympus last year was the first time we were able to physically cross the border since the pandemic and uh we've kind of been working trying to cover rally and bring really bring more spectators and new people into the sport ever since then so that's where I came from yeah, also your your art really sparked with uh, the media director for Super Motorsports, and that's what kind of grabbed him to you. You you were following him, but he approached you at one point in time, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I've been following along and kind of, of course, it when you're in lockdown, Instagram's like a great kind of outlet to see the world, and I've been following along with what they were posting with Subaru Rally. And um, I also have a business where I illustrate cars. So I've been doing lots of rally car drawings because not much is more exciting than that. So through drawing them and posting my cars and stuff, their team kind of got connected with me and the relationship started through that. And um, yeah, we've been going down to rallies. We've been to four now in total. and. We're hoping to go to a whole lot more. And then me, I've just kind of, well, I've been a car nerd for, gosh, probably 25 years at this point. (laughs) I'm not that old, but I used to watch all the car shows on Saturday and Sunday mornings instead of cartoons and watch guys like Wow, what was the one back then that really stuck with me? Like Stacy David had 
trucks and then he had gears and he just would build hot rods and and sometimes in in that show he had like this what are you working on page of, of people like showcasing what they're doing and one of the things that caught my eye was a dude took a snowmobile and pretty much converted it into a cross cart and I started looking at that kind of stuff and that really snowballed into me finding out like cross cart rally in Europe and other rally and then I just kind of fell into the group B hole and watching videos and stuff and renting group B rally videos from local video store and yeah if it's if it's a motorsport and it's off-road or anything it's kind of sparked my eye but rallies it's just a passion behind it and now experience it into experience it firsthand for two years now it's it's quite the like family and everyone's there to help you sure it's competition but it's it's a different kind of competition like everyone's excited for everyone sure people are let down in their car brakes or they don't necessarily win but that's a that's sporting in general but like if you if you got a broken part and the team next to you has got one if, if you're not over there asking them for it they're over there giving it to you like it's or you don't have a welder and the guy two two trailers down has one he'll wheel it over and start welding your control arm back together or something it's it's pretty interesting to to witness and be a part of for sure and i feel like we've been having been only actually physically attending for a couple years now, we were really welcomed in to sort of the ARA rally community with open arms. Like everyone's been so friendly, so willing to share. Like we're basically there taking pictures, doing videos and kind of trying to cover the event from a social media standpoint. But everyone has been so kind and just so excited to, say hi and meet us and show us what they're doing so it's been a really wonderful experience coming out of a pandemic where we're locked locked down in our houses and kind of finding ourselves suddenly able to go out in the world and into this sport where everyone is so basically so cool the the thing i love about rally is like jordan mentioned is everybody's willing to help out one another it's a competitive sport but there's it's friendly competition. It's never, I want to go out there and just win on my own. It's always how, like, I want to win, but I want to win the proper way. I don't want to win by, you know, half the field crashing out of my class. Cause that's not fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's always somebody goes out there and helps. And, and I've had so many conversations with different drivers saying the same thing. And it's, it's so fun to hear and it's an example and a good example of that would be how Ken Block was. He was always in the car, he was completely competitive. But in the pits and or in the paddock and even before the stages, he was friendly unless it was, you know, a really tight battle where there was mate like a couple of seconds on the line, right? But he was always really friendly and giving and wanting to have advice. And another example of that came this year at a Rally Monte Carlo in the WRC where Sebastian Ogier, a guy who's won eight different world world championships, yeah. stopped and helped uh, Thierry Newville with tires 
in the middle of a rally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it's was, like that was pretty interesting to see. I saw that that clip. That was pretty cool of him to do. Yeah, I and, think and, something. Oh, go ahead. In no other sport would you really ever see that in in circuit racing or even even in some ways in world art or even in rallycross you don't have that same kind of friendly competition i mean you'll watch some old like f1 or old uh circuit race stuff i mean, i haven't seen it in a long time but there's been some crashes where other drivers pull over and hop out and they're there before safety is and they're they're right in there trying to make sure the guy's okay or get them out if the car's on fire and stuff like that like it, it does happen but it's just it's definitely different and definitely more prominent i'd say in, in rally i think too the it's just a, the sport inherently is so spread out kind of in the woods in the middle of nowhere and they're going so fast with so many hazards that you kind of have to be there to look out for the other drivers and co-drivers on the field because you might be the only one out there <laughs> for a minute or two yeah an, an yeah, no, example and and to an example of that would have been uh southern ohio in 2020 when travis Pastrana's car decided it didn't want to exist anymore and mm-hmm. and decided to go down in a burning flame and and uh i forget who his co-driver was at the time i think it was it was either Chrissy Beavis or Rhiannon Gelsamine, but one of them had to flag down an R or an RC2 car to go get help because they were in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. And they also didn't have rally safe or anything like that then either. That was the, that was the, I think that was pretty much one of the deciding factors that, that fire was one of the deciding factors when they started really seriously looking at getting or implementing rally safe. Yeah, from my understanding, um, but yeah, like last year at uh, Oregon Trail, the sorry, not Oregon Trail at Olympus are sort of kind of now friends. The Wild Irish team, they're calling the crate tribute. I guess he lit on fire, which is pretty. They're they're still in the middle of getting it together. They were they almost had it. They were running into some electrical issues with the car. They didn't get out to Oregon Trail this year, but yeah, I think people were stopping and helping them too. Oh yeah, like... the, the whole race stopped, but they, yeah, there was four or five cars there within minutes because I think that stage. I don't even think they had one minute gaps at that point. I think they had thirty second gaps because there were so many cars that day. Yeah, but yeah, it's nice to see the community is so tight, especially when it's. I mean just the danger level and the stakes are so high. So, I mean, you're racing through a forest most of the time. There is cases where you're racing through like fields, for example, Oregon, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, you're racing inches away from trees that if you don't have the right safety features, your car could turn into a donut around said tree. Yeah. Well, our first in-person rally experience was Olympus Rally last year. And I mean, Olympus is a brutal rally. It's so wet, so slippery. The conditions are 
treacherous. Last year, even it had rained all through recce and testing and it stopped during the rally, but tons of offs. I mean, Ken and Alex had a huge crash. Yeah, was that 14 Gs? Something like that. Like, and this year too, like the amount of cars that started and the amount of cars that finished was a huge number difference. And a lot of them were offs because of the crazy, crazy rain or there was a fire again. So yeah, there's a fire. There's a couple of cars that went off. But yeah, going from Olympus this year where it rained every day, all day long, like we all the media people we talked to were absolutely soaking wet the whole weekend. Yeah. And then right into Oregon Trail where it's hot as can be and <laughs> can't yeah, find a lick of shade. Wasn't as dusty at Oregon Trail this year, that's for sure, but it wasn't wasn't not dusty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either rained out or dusted out, but regardless, it's um the blast to go. Olympus is what are you saying? Oh, um, it's definitely less, uh, even just um, doing the media aspect, like being out there with a camera, Olympus is a lot more intense because you have nowhere to be, but essentially in the road, like you can't step back two feet off the road, you're behind a wall of trees. So Oregon Trail is a really different experience getting to have a little bit more space between you and the cars. (laughs) It's all fields. (laughs) And too, like with Olympus, one of the biggest things is it is one of the most technical air events on the calendar as well. And add rain, rain into that, and it just becomes chaos for everybody. Absolutely, yeah. The start you'd watch, we'd watch Brandon go by, and by the time say Leah Block went by, the road conditions had totally changed. Like the holes ripped in the road huge new potholes the puddles were way more treacherous like just a few cars passing were just absolutely changing the conditions so i'm sure that's hard to predict when you're ripping down stage yeah yeah and it it, that's and also with like reesey it's also i should have asked rhiannon about this but i imagine it's also difficult to fully predict what that corner is actually going to be when you take it at speed because remember with Reese, you're driving at for 30 40 miles per hour or less oh, that, uh, i think it, yeah i think at olympus when we did it we were supposed to do it at 30 or less because we we went for we managed to get down for olympus a day early just to go and and do the recce and, and figure out like where we wanted to get photos and stuff and set up and just to experience the actual stages um and we took Maya's car and uh <laughs> and did some of them and there is a one of the teams actually the team that Subaru uh Subaru Motorsports had done testing with the day prior um their one of their drivers had gone and done it in the same exact car as a GC Subaru as Maya's, but went through the big puddle, like right in front of us. And they come crawling out of the puddle with a big pile of steam because they sucked a whole whack load of water in and hydrolocked their motor. <laughs> and I don't know how we didn't manage to do that, but uh, we, we definitely 
locked out, I guess, in that puddle. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a lake. It was on the it was on the um why is the word escaping me? The super special? Yeah, the end in our Watsal or the start yeah. of the super special. Um, yeah. That's where if you're on either well, pretty if you saw in the super motorsports clip, Brandon go through the massive puddle with the huge splash. Um, that's that's the same puddle. <laughs> And it was getting deeper as each car went through on certain lines. Oh, and, and between recce day and and uh, and the race day, there was easily another fifteen inches of rain that came down in <laughs> two days. So the puddle got bigger from the cars, and it got bigger from from all that water falling from the sky. Yeah, it's not an event for the faint of heart, that's for sure. <laughs> no, not that one. Olympus is not only a bat like last year. I know the rally was a whole lot tighter because you obviously had Cannon, you had Barry, and so on. But this year, you pretty much only had Brandon, which was kind of a in a way a slam dunk win. But or Olympus is never a rally that's necessarily a slam dunk win because it's a rally that can change in half a second for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I even talked to Brandon actually about that in the pits, and I'm like, so what's what's the biggest challenge in these two rallies for you now, or the rally this season for you now? Oh, Our funny boy has arrived. He must have finished his dinner. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Brandon was like, no, like starting starting off myself. I'm starting with a blank canvas road and second running of the stage it's a different stage and in comparison to other years where he hasn't been first car out he's been able to like see other people's lines and and toy with that and pushes his, his car in a slightly different way and now he's just really trying to well, he's trying to keep pace everyone else but it's almost a personal battle too which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, he's already such a clean driver, which he has kind of shown in the last little while. I mean, last year he had obviously an amazing year, but then this year with a little bit less, a lot less competition, he's able to just tone it down right below that level. And honestly, he's been so consistent that even at Olympus, where it's such a unpredictable road, he seems so in control and unfazed, especially because he doesn't have to necessarily push the extra 101% or whatever. But yeah, and that, yeah, no. that's been the biggest thing for me this year has been just the lack of competition. Like, obviously, at 100 Acre, we had that competition. Uh, Barry is going to Southern Ohio, but he's not driving his Fiesta, which is fun. <laughs> What's he gonna? What's he registered to drive? I didn't even see that. Uh, Mark II Escort. Well, that could be fun though. Those are always they're cool to see out there. Is that is he borrowing? Is that Tilly's Escort that he's gonna be driving, or does he have one? I don't know the answer to that. I it might be Tilly's because I know Tilly isn't registered for anything. He was registered for both Olympus and Oregon, and then had to pull out of both. I haven't heard anything about that. It was it was interesting. A lot of people were expecting him to be there, and then he wasn't. And, oh, well. I think, I'm still trying to build that Yaris, and I think he just doesn't 
I don't know. He's trying to focus on that. And I don't know. For Olympus, I think Higgins had said um, the issue for Tilly was he didn't have parts before the event. Like, he didn't have mm. spare parts before the event. I think yeah. that's what David had said, but I can't remember because I don't think it's on a recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember you guys briefly touching on uh, on Tilly and, and racing, but I don't I don't remember hearing that. But yeah, so might have it probably was pre-show then because I think I did ask him about that too. I just can't remember because that was forever and a half ago. So, but yeah, that's yeah. one thing to be said for racing an older Subaru is there's a with so many other people also in older Subarus there's a good uh, good chance someone will have parts <laughs> yeah that that was kind of uh, I think the thing at 100 acre there was a guy in a limited two-wheel drive Fiesta who who pretty much the joke after the event for him was the parts car because I think he yeah. ended up wrecked crashing out and then he just ended up pretty much giving away parts for his car to everybody else who had a phone. <laughs> well, I mean it's one way to keep in the race, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> your parts are continuing on. It kind of <laughs> happened to Sam Albert at Olympus too with the Ferrari car and ripping the wheel off. Yeah, he was able to source well, I mean if you're racing in Washington, there's a good chance you're gonna be able to find Subaru parts if you need Subaru parts and they they were able to source some yeah he had after the mishap at the start of the day he was able to find someone go to the parts take them off the car get back to service and install them and be ready to go out didn't he go out the the end of the day he did he did the final stage because we were out watching that Yeah. yeah So, in the dark, he raced the, the, that thing was sounding really cool coming through the trees in the dark. That's for sure. I, I do actually know the full story to that because I did talk with Sam after uh, Olympus in an article that never was released, like the nine other driver interviews I did after Olympus. That oh, well, that, always, that you can always release stuff even though it's a little later. <laughs> I, I probably will because I yeah i probably will but that's what happens when life things come up between events and then it just becomes i don't have time anymore so anyway the the story behind that was he i believe he posted on a facebook group or on facebook about needing uh the part and Mm -hmm. somebody came through because they had i think the same year subaru that they were uh fixing up and the yeah. guy said, you could have the part if you get me a new one or whatever. So Sam took that one and yeah. That's perfect. I mean, it, yeah, that part part of America is Subaru heaven. Like there's so many down there. It's it's pretty impressive. Up here, I don't see like first gen Impresas. I see maybe one a month. And as soon as we cross the border, there's one every block <laughs> darn close or like every highway exit or yeah like... yeah it's a, a great place if you need subaru parts because they really really have a lot down there that that's always the part that i've loved about especially rally in north america is with the with the wrc you see a lot of 
two spec cars and brand new cars, right? You don't see a lot of the grassroots style cars. Well, you see none of them, literally. Um, but with the ARA and the CRC, you see a lot more of those grassroots cars. You see a lot more, more of those imperfect builds and those special kind of builds as well. Yeah. As much as I love, like, I love Subaru. They're obviously, I've really tied myself to the car brand, but I, going to the events and seeing like old Volvos and a Starlet and even just Dodge Neon, like these just random, like unexpected builds, or I have such a soft spot for them. I love to see it out there. I feel like. I might have might be associating the wrong person to the car collection, but I feel like it's is it Barry Hartman that has all the crazy old cars and he brought them out to I don't know the name. To uh he raced at Oregon Trail, but I think it's it was his car collection and right across from where Subaru had their service was this right in front of the motocross track at PIR and he that day had a bunch of friends drive like one of each of his flavor of classic rally cars. Like there was a Ford Lotus Cosworth Cortina. There was a, I think there was a Stratos there for a bit. There was a, uh, a mini uh, Volvo or two. Uh, wasn't it Delta? There was a Lancia Delta as well. There He brought his huge like Volkswagen LT, which is a Vanagon on steroids. If you don't know what those are, they're <laughs> like a they're like a one ton Vanagon. Uh, but this was like a supposedly under the white paint was a full Rothmans Racing Porsche livery because it was actually one of their team vans. And someone over the years had just painted the thing white. And yeah, I know. <laughs> My it's like, oh no, <laughs> but I was talking to. Uh, Warwick Patterson, the uh, one of the producers, directors, camera guys for launch control, and he knows him pretty well. From I think he does some Canadian rally and stuff too. But uh, yeah, he was like, Yeah, that thing was a Rothmans. And I'm like, No way. <laughs> He's like, Go look in the door jam. You can see the colors. I couldn't uh, even bring myself to go over there because I felt like I'd be very upset. <laughs> And start breaking out the wet sandpaper and break the white off <laughs> in the parking lot. That would have been a rally story. Just, just man gets kicked out for sandpapering a guy's car in the <laughs> rally parking lot. We actually got to put some update some stickers on the Subaru car this year, so that was kind of cool. We got yeah, to we... help them out with replacing some of the Dirtfish stickers with a updated Dirtfish sticker. So hands on the car. <laughs> That the Subaru car has a lot of stickers on it now, especially with the uh, Ken Block tribute sticker and the Craig Breen tribute sticker. There's a yeah, lot of stickers. We helped place the Craig Breen ones in uh, Olympus as well. Yeah, because that had just happened. Like he had just passed that weekend, essentially. So we, yeah. What was that like Wednesday before Monday or something? Yeah, like yeah. definitely a. I mean, the mood this year, like, everyone's definitely having a, a harder year. It's been very emotional at events, and obviously, and you can hear it in interviews and everything. It's been a tough year for Rally. And and this year has been, it's been hard because of obviously losing Ken, and then with Travis now bowing out for the season, 
uh, it's been difficult because you had those two guys who are pretty much huge media guys and brought huge attention to the area now out and now Brandon's pretty much that guy. And there's other people who do that sort of stuff. Like Patrick Greska's one who does have a bit of a media following, but not to that same level. So now there's a yeah. huge kind of void. And it, it was cool to see Tom. Uh, Tom was trying to Williams. William, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like his last name is Williamson for some reason. But um he had a crew out as well and was doing um service like interview like midday interviews and stuff. He had them posted and it looked like pretty good. Uh until he put his car on the roof at the end there. But yeah. But yeah, the void is definitely felt well, like just the energy last year. Last year at PIR, we were helping the Subaru team just, well, I, I got to, air quotes, help by riding in the car for a, a testing lap, which was pretty amazing. I got to sit in Ree's seat and ride with Travis, but we were helping them hand out posters and stuff and just kind of make sure Travis had a chair and water Sharpies and, and, <laughs> and crowd control and the crowd waiting for autographs from him in particular was just mind-blowing last year like we experienced the same thing at the um we went to the nitro rally cross event at calgary in february i think it was february and just the the fan support coming out to meet travis is amazing and he's just so so talented at it like every person he talks to gets to feel special and he they tell him their stories and he really kind of makes the time he makes for his fans mind blowing. So hoping really, to see him at more events, but yeah, it's really cool to see him too. What, what was it? Was it Olympus last year or Oregon trail where he had, I don't know if it was a puncture or something happened on stage and he just was like super bummed out and went in the trailer and reviewed some footage for the next stage. And, and kicked the door open to the trailer and like, all right, it's autograph time. And he went over and just instant mood change. And I mean, it built up with, with dealing with, or not dealing with the fans, but seeing the fans and being personal with them. And that really lifted him up. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see. He goes to get see. back in the car and he's just no longer bummed out and ready to go. It was, it was really awesome to see that. I think it was at Oregon Trail last year after, because the, the first stage at PIR, there were some pretty bad crashes like into walls and rocks and because they were running in reverse order unlike how he's used to running first and not seeing all the offs he had to run after everybody had crashed out through everyone that had crashed out yeah so super like oh god yeah (laughs) he came he came back a little like hoping everybody was okay but then chatting with the fans you could really see kind of the smile on his face and he would really light up but yeah definitely different this year Although with Leah Block gaining in popularity, I'm sure that the lineup to her is going to get longer and longer. So no, it was it was pretty long. At the it end. was <laughs> her and her mom. It was uh, interesting to see the the size of the line difference from the line being in front of Subaru last year to the line being absolutely massive in front of the Block camp. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. Hopefully, there'll be more 
big teams and draws because it is, it is really cool to see spectators out and people who have been going to watch for a long time and people who are new to the sport, which I think, I think having Travis and Ken really brought in a lot of people who had never come to spectate rally before. So that's part of well, what we do too, try to bring new people in and make it more approachable. And, and like for me, Ken is the reason why I knew about rally. I don't even know how I figured out about Ken. I think it just popped up my or Jim Conn just popped up my in my YouTube recommend one day, and I watched it and then continued to follow along with him. And now we're here. But um, you you mentioned Leah there for a second, and Leah's skill this year and just how much she's grown as a driver is unbelievable yeah that's uh definitely it's definitely very amazing um and hard to put words to i want to say let her dad is would be so very proud but at the same time i'm just proud sitting here watching her do it too like last couple stages at otr she was second fastest overall yeah she's just amazing and it's it's really cool coming in at this point in time and kind of seeing her grow and really prove herself as being she's not she's her own really talented daughter despite where she comes from on her own she's just absolutely mind-blowing and focus that girl has the has a focus that it's hard to hard to beat, hard to hard to toss away. Yeah, I could for sure. I could hardly keep a <laughs> Toyota Camry on the road at sixteen. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I've done some artwork for her, and I just the two of us are just always absolutely rude for Leah. Leah is, I think, in. To put it in some ways, she could be, I know it's hard to say replace a person, but I think she could become, if she really wanted to, as big or bigger than Ken, which is huge shoes to fill because Ken was, even if you didn't know what Rally was, you still knew the name Ken Block. Exactly. I don't know if it would be so much shoes to fill with that girl as as uh, donuts to do around. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll see if she she picks up a car for Gymponic Grid and how that goes. But uh, I'm excited to see her do the test, the show laps for Pipe's Feet coming up too. I don't think she has, yeah, I don't necessarily think she has, has shoes to fill. Uh, she's going to have her own dust cows to click, kick up, that's for sure. But uh, it'll, yep. be, it'll be interesting to see for sure how far she, how far her passion takes her, I really should say, not not um, chasing another dream. It's, it's very clearly her own dream. Yeah. yeah. And I remember talking with Rhiannon about like Leah's future and from the sounds of it, 
Leah isn't even sure if she, well, this was before or again, before she had, you know, a WRC team interest in her, but uh, she was like, there was a bit of, I guess, an unknown after this season, if she would go and continue rally or if it would become her doing circuit racing because she also is interested in that. Yeah, she's but, a big, big cart and big open wheel girl too. So it, uh, it will be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'm sure that the WRC teams have had their eyes on her even, even before the result of OTR. And it'll be cool to see her siblings come up too. It was really neat at Olympus. We got to watch them. Um, her brother was helping take the wheels off the car and her sister was helping kind of assistant manage the team with the time. Like yeah. it was really cool to see the whole family out there together. They're such a tight knit group. And- Kira was just uh, with the Gelsaminos at Dirtfish doing their uh, Ozzy Rally Pro uh, co-drive school this weekend, which was good for her to do. I know that they had kind of already done a little bit of it with uh, Kira and Micah, but she went and I, I don't know if she did it again or just did like the proper full course, but she was pretty excited to do that for sure. Yeah, it'll be cool to see how they're, the two of them develop in their racing careers or co-driving careers or, careers or... yeah, yeah, definitely a cool, cool family to get to follow along i i just laughed the entire time like when leo is setting the second fastest time at oregon or even the third fastest because i know jason bailey who set some of the second fastest and third fastest times as well that day had said before the rally even to me that once leah gone to a uh rally three car he was screwed and i'm like <laughs> and i'm just saying that i'm like She's not even in a rally three car yet, buddy, and you're already screwed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's going so fast in that BRZ for first time, like first season racing rear wheel drive. I know last year she was having a lot of issues with her car, like mechanical issues. And it just seems like this year the car's working and the setup is absolutely really working for her. And the partnership with Rhea is obviously like a really strong strong bond and hard to find someone more talented to co-drive for you so i mean it's not easy to fill and especially after this year because re doesn't even know what like i said what leah's future but is but let alone her own future so but if leah does continue and rhiannon does go back to travis or somebody else those are going to be huge shoes to have filled yeah like, yeah for sure but there's always oh her sister just did the program i don't know if that would be a beneficial thing but who knows maybe maybe uh kira gets in with lucy and alex needs a seat to sit in yeah who knows they've got the right contacts a couple of years with some of the some of the top uh co-drivers in the in the game might uh might just make her an unstoppable force regardless who's in her passenger seat or co-driver seat as I should say not passenger. 
They're not just along for the ride. They <laughs> have to battle. And for like as much as a good co-driver Rhiannon is, Leah is also for the first season using a one through ten pace note system instead of the one through six pace note system which she used last year, which is probably also helping her in some way. Yeah, I'm still confused at the two systems. I, I would like to have a conversation with the Gelsaminos on on it one of these days, but uh well it's just more more levels of detail basically and clearly she's even at such a young age she's able to pick up on that and memorize it and put it into action at these incredibly fast speeds so yeah wasn't it in the the men's journal article about brandon i don't know if it's a different pace note system that Brandon uses or the journalist I don't know it was weird he wrote saying that Brandon uses a a pace note based on what gear he's supposed to be in for the corner and I found that pretty crazy huh. uh, that as far as I understand that is actually like pretty much what the one through six system is or there is a different system developed off of that because i know for me i do a bit of sim racing and pretty much for me like if if the corners of one i know i want to be in in first gear except and two for two etc etc yeah okay yeah but there is also like differences to that as well because if you have for example a say a right five plus that's pretty much a six so you could theoretically take that in sixth gear i haven't tested that in a real car so don't quote me on that (laughs) (laughs) i was pretty interested i was listening to an interview with re the other day and she said that for their co-driver training program they have people who come in that are sim racers who want to understand pace notes better from the games, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Never would have thought of that, but I I want to take it from a from an intrigue. I, I want to go through their program for a, on an intrigue standpoint, just because not necessarily to to become a co driver, just to be able to to know what goes on in the car more and be more in depth and understand it understand a bit better. It and, I mean, if uh, I, I'm more of an in-control kind of person, so I don't know if I could ever be a good co-driver. But uh, for sure, I mean, maybe one of these days if I drive or something, then I would need to know that side of pace notes as well. Because they have a... They, at, when we saw them both at the Dirt Fish Women's and Motorsports Day, they talked to us about how many drivers they have come through their program too just to to be better at understanding the notes or developing better notes and they have their other whole side of the school too where they do work with one-on-one with or one-on-one with drivers and co-drivers out of their their place in idaho which i think is awesome as well yeah i want to take their course just because they're a cool couple to get to hang out with a little bit more They're both such um, kind people with such a wealth of knowledge. So, and they love our dog. They they do like our dog. (laughs) 
little Rhi- rally dog. Rhiannon is is great. I I had a super fun time talking with her when she came on the show. And there's still things that I'm sitting here like weeks after that. I'm like, I should have asked her more about that. And and talking about the one through ten pace note system, that is one of the things I should have asked her more about. Didn't think of it at the time. Well, uh, she just did the Subi and You podcast for what was it her third time doing it? Yeah, she's done a few different episodes. So. She's, she's not. She's not a, a, a first-time offender on the repeat uh, podcast interviews. So maybe, <laughs> maybe one day you get to interview her again. But yeah, she's just got. I mean, the amount of knowledge and like how clear she is with explaining it, like, really comes through her teaching skills as well. Even just explaining like details about rally, like she's um, yeah, no, she's amazing. Well, she also used to be a PE teacher. I don't know if you knew that yeah. or not, but yeah, yeah, she used to be a PE teacher. So it's kind of something she knows how to do, but. Yeah, she's got the teaching ability and then obviously the rally knowledge as well. Yeah, and, and to go with like what you said about the drivers coming in, um, one of her reasons for wanting to start that with Alex is because when she first came to the ARA, or I think it was actually Rally America at the time when she first came over, a lot of drivers didn't know how to use pace notes and they were just using the event provided ones, which weren't great by anyone. That sounds so scary. Like you really need to know your own line and the updated line and what works for you in the car like it seems yeah, wild to just use that didn't she say that they almost didn't like almost no event in the ara allowed you to do recce until like the last five years oh, what <laughs> yeah like it wasn't a thing until recently that wouldn't surprise me like I, if i'm I, being completely <laughs> honest that wouldn't surprise like they, me like they provided you with video pace notes and that was your recce it was not something that you went and did as a competitor which i was uh, I, I heard that and my jaw dropped literally i was like what yeah <laughs> like i just drove this and i wouldn't have been able to just for my own sake like i would need to drive it and it's not just watch a sped up gopro video kind of thing like yeah the i i can't imagine doing that <laughs> um yeah, it was cool to get to go down for um, Olympus a few days early and get to drive the roads because you really get an appreciation for um, kind of how impressive it is that people drive them at speeds. Well, like the thing that, because uh, Olympus was the first event of me switching between belly up and uh, pit crew for coverage. Well, there was still coverage on Belly Up because I didn't have permission to self-publish on Pit Crew yet. But anyway, um, Pit Crew's a UK-based site. And one of the first things that their WRC editor said to me about the roads in uh, Olympus were, at first I thought that was um, UK roads. And I was like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's very um, kind of... Well, I mean, it was the last U.S. rally in WRC, right? Was held yeah. there, so. Was that 86 or did they do another one in 87? I can't remember. Now. 86. 
because it would have been the last year um group b yeah yeah and it was because i did actually talk with the chairman of olympus about this too uh after after olympus yeah i think it was after olympus um there was talk of it coming back i'm not gonna say too too much but as you know the test event instead took place in uh Tennessee. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a logistics professional, but I do have a bit of a bit of common sense in that, and just knowing how large of a process a WRC event is, and the amount of infrastructure that travels with the teams and the event. The, the area of Olympus is not quite so conducive to setting up a small town for a week or two. Um, just it, there isn't really a good spot too close by that's like a good port for them to unload containers of team supplies and stuff like that. Like, it, sure, they're not too far away from Port of Seattle, but they probably need half a single shipping container to move all their stuff in like well not half but like a a very large portion of a full shipping container boat to to move their stuff and i know a lot of the stuff flies in too and i mean there is that small airport right by olympus but it's you're not loading landing the cargo jets for the teams there that's for sure and not all of them maybe one yeah yeah it'd be I don't really know much about Tennessee or the area, but just from where where that was, that once I heard they were doing the test event down there, I just did kind of a bit of a research on the lay of the land, and it's it looks like it would be a, a bit easier for sure to logistically get everything. Excuse me, in and out of Chattanooga for for the sake of a modern AWRC event. And and too, like you guys mentioned, shipping and all that for a team like M Sport that's already running on a budget of like nothing, literally, because Voitanic is uh taking up all their budget pretty much. Um, it would be pretty hard for them to do that logistically. Yeah, I don't follow. WRC probably as close as they should in that regard, but it does seem like it is quite the battle between uh, budget and where they go. And as you were mentioning earlier, there is no like grassroots class in the WRC, but all of the all of the um, I guess you could call them Euro regional events that feed the WRC, like. WRC is just like one large thing that does a large event in every large region like Poland, New Zealand, Australia, Finland, etc. But they all have their own like rally, what's rally Scotland and stuff like that. Like they have their own regional events or championships. But those kind of have more grassroots stuff. If you watch some of the footage and there's old Cosworth going and RS 200s and, and Valencia's and stuff. So just because we don't see it with WRC bangs, 
the the WRC itself is a very weird thing as a whole, um, and it's a very hard thing to get into, especially from a manufacturer standpoint. And this year, I think more than any other year, has shown just how bad it is at the WRC one level for drivers. Because this year has been an all-time low at the top for drivers because there just isn't manufacturers. From what I know of it, I would compare it kind of to like if you, for F1, you carted, uh, say, F1 and Formula E and uh some of the smaller uh groups what what still runs formula four um or you you could even rope like indie into it i mean here you might be more familiar with like uh actually when i was growing up we had indie vancouver and they had indie they brought indie lights they had um some years they had um cast car doing circuit days and stock cars so they had four or five different race classes racing in a weekend kind of like wrc but it just seems that more so like like how ara and stuff does it on a broader spectrum but wrc because of all the different classes is kind of the same but it's just there's no real am side to it it's all pros of different levels if, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it's sort yeah. of kind of went off on a tangent there. And like with like the WRC, for example, there's a guy like Oliver Solberg who is setting times that are rivaling those of a WRC one car. And, and he's doing that in a WRC two car, which has less arrow and is slower-ish. I don't actually think that's the case anymore, but I can't actually remember because I don't actually know the statistics on that. Yeah, neither do I to help you out there, but I For think... It's easier to follow the stuff we can actually go to and kind of physically see and be on the ground for, so... Yeah. We're trying to get more into the Canadian stuff. because It's more local to us, but... Right now, we've kind of just been doing the ARA because of uh, our relationship with Subaru and helping them out on the media side of things and uh, yeah it's just for us and too like team budgets for us it's a budget like how do we afford from working the day jobs to go to these for the weekend and or travel to farther events and stuff right like it's well yeah we work the day jobs and I saw stickers but it only makes make so much <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh really hard to fund the dream but I think it goes for whether you're doing media or you're a team your passion feels so much about like it's the love of the sport even though the finances are hard to well, hard to sort out sometimes. It keeps people coming back. It's people just care so much. I still think it's cheaper than crack. 
<laughs> in, in a good way it's a it's a good addiction it is a good addiction it's um you end up with a community and some really amazing entertainment so and in terms of for us like i get some illustration jobs and design jobs through it and kind of that helps helps us keep going it's always fun to see how many people like at Oregon Trail or Olympus like see you or your car and they're like, oh, it's Maya and da da da, da Gravel Express and the lady with the stickers. <laughs> and yeah, our stickers. Dog is now kind of become known in the community already as yeah, that was a little, funny. Little celebrity um, at at the end of Oregon Trail. Brandon Semenuk picks up our dog and does his post-race interview yeah, <laughs> with our, our dog. dog in his arms. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's one way to make it, so. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes, kind of with a small community, that seems more possible, but I don't know. I still feel like our dog's pretty, pretty famous after that. So. Yeah. <laughs> The two people that gave them morning pets won, won their classes for sure. Yeah, both both Leah and Brandon were petting our dog before the final day. So we we're claiming he's lucky. <laughs> just, go, just go around um, the next event you guys go to selling pets for your dog for like five bucks. Or whatever. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> just a tip donation jar. <laughs> Hey, I mean, you gotta make it for the good luck boy. You gotta make money for it somehow. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, I've got some illustration projects in the works, so that's kind of a fun aspect of it too. Because I do, I like, I kind of got into this. A lot of it was because I just wanted to draw cars, and I love the look of cars and love spending time making artwork of them and that the love of racing kind of came hand in hand with that so like for me how i started to do rally coverage was really weird and blotchy (laughs) (laughs) i i started writing two years ago for the nhl under under a company and then I ended up leaving that company to join another company. That company got shut down literally like two days after I joined. Oh no. So then I was on, you know, looking for another company. And then belly up, I ended up applying there. And then I asked the one of the co-founders if I could start writing about rally. And then pretty much my job from writing hockey turned into full-time doing. ARA coverage and then this year it's pretty much just spitballed into I cover like a dozen championships and I work non-stop from like this point in the year till like September yeah <laughs> between everything like like that was the joke at the start of the season I was just looking at my calendar it's just like oh yeah I have a weekend off in like the middle of July and then I had another weekend off at like the end of August yeah that's not lovely but 
money, I guess. Yeah, that's an exciting thing to follow, at least. Well, for us, it's kind of funny because we do rally events, then we do some other, like, Overland events and Subaru stuff, car shows, and the winter's hard because there's nothing. Like, we really have, like, this big gap. And then it goes from nothing into... I don't know if we have a single open real weekend this summer. Like, there might be one, maybe maybe two between now and September. Yeah, there's this weekend, but I'm going to be working on a project probably starting this weekend to do some upcoming events. So I'm working from home to prepare for that. So, yeah, it kind of goes from nothing to everything. I think that was our... We were... I mean, this start of the year was tough for everybody with the news of Ken and some stuff in our personal lives and just no like kind of no lights in the darkness to look forward to for a bit just sitting at home while it rains outside waiting for the car season to start again so I like the busy season better (laughs) and for me like that's why I really love Nitro Cross because they most for the most part run through the winter like this year they were supposed to have an event in december that got canceled due to reasons i cannot say publicly fair (laughs) i i I know the reason but the government of the country it's in has uh spends money to fund nitrocross so i can't say that reason publicly yeah Mm -hmm. secretive reason Yeah, our first event this year, it had been, well, we also both got really sick January 1st, so through all that, we were at home, just, it was an awful start, and then our first event was February, went to the Calgary Nitro event, and... Yeah, we were kind of sitting on the couch one evening and messaged the media director of BSC being like, are you going to Calgary? He's like, yeah, are you guys coming? And I'm like, it kind of sounds like we need to book flights. <laughs> yeah, and luckily, flying to Calgary from, from Vancouver here in February is extremely affordable, like like $300 for two. Both of us return, tax included, from Vancouver to Calgary, Calgary back was 300 bucks. Yeah. So four plane tickets was three hundred dollars <laughs> Canadian. So that's like seventy five bucks a shot. That's a really good deal. So <laughs> we had a lot of. It was fun too, even though the event, the weather wasn't what they were hoping for. For the surface, the turnout was kind of amazing. Like so many people came to the event, and the energy was really like the fans were just so excited to be there watching. So I was actually going to go to the event. As you can probably tell, I didn't because of uh, weather and uh, yeah. And then the weather decided to turn nice during the event. Yeah. So it was too it was so warm. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I I mean, once the sun was kind of half down, it was like big jacket, but I brought so many layers to stay warm and minus 12 and I wore my big jacket to walk from the hotel to the event in the morning and then took it off and didn't put it on until I walked back to the hotel. Yeah, I I changed from my actual Canadian winter jacket to my Vancouver Canadian winter jacket. I packed it last minute instead because I saw the forecast change and I thought, yeah, I really don't need a 
minus 20 parka for this weekend. But I think it was great for fan turnout, less good for the surface. But I mean, the stands were packed. Like It, it was, made the racing pretty interesting too, I will yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And just the the energy of the behind the scenes Nitro people, everyone was just so hyped. So many people came out, particularly that, for a first time event in the city. So I talked with Brett Clark, their uh, president, like a couple of weeks ago and he gave me a couple of statements for an article and he said that uh uh nitro in calgary and then the two rounds after it had like a hundred times or a hundred percent more uh english um a hundred percent more <laughs> of a turn up than any other event so far in that year yeah which was yeah, great I mean- to see Calgary does, I believe, still hold the attendance record for a Nitro Cross event. Yeah. Um, I think the Tourism Board had really, really hyped the event, which is very helpful. Or at least helped. I think they at least helped. Yeah, well, I, I think, too, just having, like, the local... And the local media was talking about it, so the people who are there actually, like... Yeah, they turned did. Out. When we got there, they were doing ride-alongs with like a TV anchor and the mayor and the head of the tourism board. Well, and, and they taken some of the drivers out to local attractions and stuff. So it was, kind of, it was a cool event. I think it was a good, good for building the sport in Canada because people seemed enthusiastic about it. It bring, it, it, yeah, it was good. And pretty much my opinion of that was any, any media that will help rally cross will, will trickle into rally too. I mean, it's totally different style of racing but different style of spectating too but it will bring light to anything like that and well i remember motorsports to canada is huge so <laughs> oh yeah and like this year i think nitro sent a message as well when they decided to book calgary again over booking uh quebec again quebec has an established rallycross track Calgary didn't until last year, and they didn't even have a, any probably any clue what Rally Cross Cross was until last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, like they just, did some amazing work there to get that event to what it was. Because really, in winter in Calgary, the main focus is on hockey, and this yeah. year that was different in a way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was really convenient because the stampede grounds in Calgary are like, I mean, Calgary's grown so much since I was there as a kid, but it's it's downtown. Yeah, and you can an event downtown where people can just go downtown and see the event is. Yeah, and the, the 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 one in Quebec is what forty five minutes outside of Montreal, if I remember, or is it Quebec City? I can't remember. Was it three? I think it's outside of Montreal. What's it called again? The three three C or something like that? Two C. Trois Rivières. Yeah. T R I S dash R I V. Yeah, there it is. I don't know. Yeah. We're Canadian, but we can't speak French, right? I can speak French. I just can't spell. 
I, I remember trying to spell that for an article and I was just and I had to like triple look at it and I was like uh-huh and then I'm still pretty sure I still spelled it wrong but <laughs> I, I haven't had the French attack me yet so I I think I'm fine yeah but yeah no I think for um Nitro Cross to be able to be held relatively urban-ish is um definitely an upside because I mean in all in stage rally like it's really a kind of a commitment to be out in the elements and outside and going to quite rural places to go watch which is sort of my dream which is why I like it so much I like to be in the middle of nowhere if I have no cell phone service I'm happier but for the average person to get into it and to get like the viewers there and to get people starting to get interested in it um the nitro just being able to sit in the seat and watch the cars go by is a great introduction to motorsports yeah i wanted to go to that but like i said weather didn't permit me to and then i was gonna go to uh rocky mountain rally this weekend and then personal stuff for me to be from doing that so because <laughs> there was that and even like when i talked to oliver um i was joking around with him like if i went to that event i would have just been in the paddock sitting in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt acting like this was completely normal while everybody who runs nitro cross or nitro cross is sitting there freezing to death and it's like and i'm just sitting <laughs> over here in a in shorts and a t-shirt like what what's your issue buddy yeah yeah very cold <laughs> Yeah, this it was, is it was nice. like t-shirt weather in the day for sure it was um it was surprisingly toasty i think it was colder in vancouver that weekend it was yeah it was warm like i remember joking with uh excite energy's old team manager um about that sort of stuff and i remember telling him when the schedule is first released to pack an extra pair of clothes or pack an extra set of clothing to double layer and he was like yeah i'll be packing extra and i'm like i and then as soon as the event came around it was warm i was like i really hope he didn't pack too much extra because he's from the UK. <laughs> and that, yeah. that cost him a small fortune yeah we were limited because we were just like on the cheapest airline or whatever but Honestly, the only time I wore my my down jacket was we went out the night after there was like a little after party thing in downtown Calgary and we walked from our hotel to there and I wore my jacket, which is like a lightweight down thing and I was warm. Yeah, (laughs) I wore my long johns during the day just so I didn't have to wear a big bulky jacket, but it was at one point in time I had taken my second top layer off because it was so warm outside it was like it was almost 12 degrees at one point that weekend and sunny with no wind yeah and at home it was in vancouver it was we left minus four expecting it to be minus 12 with plus wind chill and it ended up being plus 12 At the start of February, every year in Alberta, it's pretty much known that you don't do anything. You can't leave your house because it's minus 40. And if you go outside, it's 
for literally nothing other than to take the garbage out. Yeah. Or if you absolutely have to. And then this year it was like, oh yeah, it's nice that I can actually do things. Why did I cancel everything that was at the beginning of this month again? Right? Like now I have nothing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I think it definitely helped the turnout of fans. That's for sure. Actually, not too many people. Because there's like whole families out there, and guys with like twenty cans of Caesar. Like, <laughs> that was so up, funny. Like, still, they're having like a summer party. <laughs> uh, there's a there is a, a group of, of young young gentlemen that I think uh, made it their mission to buy the building out of canned Caesar. Mott Caesar premixed drinks. <laughs> they had a pyramid going of nothing but those, and it was it was taller than them. They had to stand and look over it to see the racing. <laughs> yeah, so. Calgary fans party—that's for sure. One way to keep I, warm. <laughs> that probably cost them a small fortune because I don't think those are cheap at no, all. No, I don't think so. I think the event was probably for in terms of that, like. I mean, the VIP area was packed. The stands were packed. It was packed. The people were purchasing the the concession amenities with an impressive... Great gusto. Yeah. <laughs> Again, as you said, they probably canceled all their other plans because they're one thing to spend money on that month, so... Well, it's in the middle of that weird, like, celebration week or something that they do. Yeah, there was some kind of festival on it's like i forget what they call it but it's like the winter warm-up party they call it it, more or less i forget what the specific term is for it but i guess they there is usually a a week or something in the winter that it actually gets warm and it's just it's a normal thing and they sell like a summer solstice party but it's like a winter (laughs) hot winter party i guess i don't know (laughs) Yeah. That that sounds like a Calgary thing. <laughs> I mean, I have uh, well, my my dad's side of the family uh, grew up in Calgary, so I kind of and I have some extended family there still, but I don't get there very often, and I never spent very much time there as a kid. I went to like the Stampede once, and camping with family like two or three times, and that was about it. I see them more out here than I do there. But, yeah, uh, I'd definitely go back to Nitro in Calgary, even if it was cold. I'd, I'd crave it. Yeah. I, I definitely want to try to go this year. I don't think I'll be able to get back in the paddock like I would have been able to last year because I had more friends last year with the Nitro last year. This year, the guy who was pretty much my information source for one team is gone now. You'd be surprised. You're in the media. You can apply like what we have to do to do any like any of the the stuff we do for rally you you applied for a media license and the media pass and you can free reign walk through they basically just say keep your head on a swivel because you can't hear these cars coming but otherwise you're you're kind of just you can do you can go anywhere take photos video you can talk to whoever if they're available and not busy you're 
closed off areas of the stands. They were saying, okay, you can shoot from there. And it was, yeah, they're once you have the, if you apply for the media license, they're pretty. Um, we were we um, got in through VSC for it, but you doing all this journalism stuff for it too. I'm sure they wouldn't be too hard pressed to let you in. You've already got some form of relationship with Nitro. Wouldn't be too hard to send some emails and continue that. You already I mean, do I a am, lot of coverage for them. And I am kind of somewhat friends with uh, Brett Clark, their uh, president. So I don't think I would have any issue getting anything in there. No, anymore. exactly. I feel like you could just send them a bit of a bit of a, or send them a bit of a email and go from there. Yeah. And I am friends with some of the drivers as well now. Like I, yeah. I, I know Fraser and I know Oliver Erickson and I'm friends with Kevin Erickson on Facebook now as of yesterday, which is <laughs> just one of 500 some that I'm friends with. So, right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun trying to figure out what events to cover. Even for me, like this weekend, this weekend I had a bit of a, a fun laugh last night because I, I, I honestly forgot Rocky Mountain was this weekend. And I was like, okay, all I have to cover this weekend is WRX and WRC. And then I was like, wait, isn't Rocky Mountain this week? And then I just, and then I was just like, now I have to cover three events this weekend. <laughs> Oops. Better start the coffee of rumbling. <laughs> Just no sleep. That that's just the formula to it. No sleep and a whole lot of pre writing. Yeah, yeah, that probably helps. Hey, hey, dog, you can't go on the desk. Our, our dog has been trying to get involved. He walked out into the living room and picked up a candle and brought it in for us. <laughs> uh, he's like, "This is couch cuddle time. Why aren't we on the couch?" <laughs> That that sounds like something my dog would do if I was trying to record this in a living room, because yeah. she she would be up literally trying to like she would be knocking my phone out of place the entire yeah. time. She does it to yeah. me anyway because you know yeah, golden retrievers. <laughs> yeah, golden retrievers. Uh, they're a good time. I've I haven't golden had one myself, but they're. Uh, Oh, they they are for sure. I mean, any any dog with the right amount of love when they're a puppy will will be an aden- attention seeking or attention addict. But yeah. uh, Goldens are a very needy dog, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're awesome. My aunt, my aunt's really good friend had uh, five of them at one point in time. They didn't breed themselves, but they they're they worked with a breeder and they just love their dogs and they would always when one was getting a little older they'd get another one kind of thing and they were they were a handful to say the least but they were amazing animals for sure i'm just glad our dog likes rally events and car events we brought him to some rally cross and drag racing and stuff and he was on like on stage with me at Oregon Trail watching the cars go by and he's just happy to be out there and laying in the grass getting dusty posing for photos yeah 
He likes to be part of the action. So, and for five dollars, mm. you can wish you good luck. If I did that with my dog, we're gonna put that on a vest, and we're gonna blame you for that. If I took my dog to a rally event, she would have everything and anything in her mouth. If I took her into the paddocks, somebody would be looking for a wrench the entire time. And my dog would end up having it in her mouth. That would be hilarious. (laughs) Just go up to the VSC paddock and just, and then just one of the mechanics, like 30 minutes later is like, where's my wrench? Uh, I swear I had a wrench five seconds ago. Right. I, I ain't getting blamed for that though. I I blame anybody else but me, because that's the way I operate with anything. As a driver, or I would assume interviewing a driver, you just kind of focus on them. But we're not even close to that. We just we're there and spectating, but spectating with a camera and kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, getting a, a of, close view of what's going on and all the um, details behind it, which has kind of been half ha- half the interest in it is being in the service area and talking to the techs and seeing what everybody's doing and kind of seeing the behind the scenes really really makes the sport more interesting. As cool as it is to see a rally car rip by on the stage, like the whole support system and network that it takes for even the smallest team is kind of amazing. Yeah, and like walking through the pits at either event and just over social media and knowing other people and getting to know other drivers and crew of, of even some of the smaller teams. Um, you, you just start to more people start to recognize you, and you get to talk to chat about other th- other things like other teams' cars, and learn little bits like uh, at OTR the first Rally Three car to ever take an overall podium spot is pretty impressive. Um, hopefully, we can continue stuff like that and expand the sport into a more affordable modern platform really is how that would go it would be interesting to see like i wouldn't ever think m sport would would fire up a team over here but more factory backing in a way like ford could almost provide another incentive for these i know they don't sell that platform of car in North America anymore but it's a feasible option for them to come in as a sponsor and because like how Subaru does in in Canada and and in the US they what is it the first 10 entries they give a a break to and if if you win or, or podium or something I can't remember you might know this better than than me but um they give you sort of a rebate on your entry fee that Ford could almost do the same for the, the rally three cars or something like that. 
but it's hard for a manufacturer to get behind something that's not like a current marketed product. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things with like one of the bigger issues with the air eight. Yes. Ken and Travis brought a whole lot of attention to the sport, but it got really hard to follow the sport as well, especially if you're new and you don't know about sites like sneak attack, you don't have that coverage. And now with Dirtfish not doing their active coverage much either. Like I know they still do a bit of coverage. I'm pretty much as far as coverage goes, the biggest one at this point, which for me last year, if you would have told me that this would have been happening last year, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Right. Like I, this year I wouldn't expected to have been, you know, able to get, interviews with guys like Patrick Greska and Tom Williams. Like last year, that would have been a pipe dream. Now this year, it's like pretty much every event they went to, I've had one with them besides for Tom. It wasn't, um, he didn't do one for Olympus because he didn't see the message until this week. Oops. Yeah. yeah he's a busy guy. But yeah, I think, I think in terms of like, we're you're clearly in a kind of same same but different aspect of media as us where we're just trying to while your method of it is different like you're writing articles and things and making podcasts and we're doing sort of social media posts and stories and reels and stuff it's just the kind of joint interest is bringing attention to the sport and trying to keep it alive through sharing it with people so they can get interested and maybe more sponsorships and stuff and bigger names can take notice well and that's why like i've there's an like yes i i love interviewing patrick he's he's a great guy to interview like i'm being completely honest there i've had nothing but fun times with him but um yeah he's a he's a fun guy to uh, at Olympus, he came off stage with his back window smashed, and we were at the side of the road taking photos of Brandon and Keaton changing the tires on the car for the next stage. And here comes Patrick pulling over, getting out of his car, and he's like, "What the heck happened?" And I managed to get a snap of him doing that. Sean Hall and him shoveling all the glass out of the back seat because they hit the brakes and all the glass came from the back of the car and went like at their feet in the front of the car. So they're shoveling it out. So they're not slipping on it while they're driving. And it's pretty funny. And then he, I, I, t- I posted that photo and a couple others. I did sort of like a, a, a rally recap series of random photos and he got all excited and we've randomly talked about some stuff and, We've started doing um, Instax, like Polaroid shots at the rallies. We have a couple of cameras and uh, the, the media director of Subaru thought it'd be a really fun idea. And it's kind of taken off. And he was mess- Patrick was messaging me yesterday about what camera we use because he loves it. and He wants to get one and have it in his trailer and do sort of the same thing. And I'm like, man, are you, by all means, like, yeah we've got this in this camera and we bought the film at walmart it was this cheap and we'll see well, it oh. he wants he can take one of our cameras <laughs> for the day he bought a, 
he bought one, I think. Yeah. He was messaging <laughs> with the, uh, I think he got one of those ones that's got the printer built into it mm -hmm. so he can make multiple copies. So maybe we can get some of his candids. Yeah, fair enough. I, 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 Patrick is just, he's filled with stories and I would love to have him back on the podcast because I feel like we haven't even touched on half of his stuff yet. And it's like, I, I, I feel like the, I want them back on the podcast story is the same for everybody because it's like, I love to have them back on. I just don't know what to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you almost could do a whole separate series of just random stories and, and chats like you have your driver interview but you could also do just like the, the 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 funny moments or something kind of a series like a like a the, anecdotes. yeah or, or bloopers reels almost right like <laughs> we have a patreon for that oh there you go I just haven't done anything for it because I keep forgetting it exists until Patreon sends me 9 billion emails. <laughs> you, you could almost start doing like, I know we're not on video or anything right now, but you could almost start having like a, not necessarily a live stream version of it, but a behind the scenes videoed side of things. Yeah. I So with the video thing i did want to do video like but not with faces because that's kind of an ask boring <laughs> but um it can be it can be and and because i do other things during recording this but uh anyway for sure um <laughs> but um i did like with the higgins episode i did reach out to subaru about potentially getting like video of higgins driving and that got shot down. So, <laughs> who did you reach out to there? Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name. UG? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's who we who we know. So, yeah, yeah, I'm Probably not attempting rights and licensing and stuff. Yeah. So, so the answer I got for that was as follows. We cannot give out footage for anything that is not about our drivers or something along those lines. And I was like, Oh, yeah, they're current team drivers. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, then. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. push too much more into that because. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they have, there's multiple companies working together to make Subaru Motorsports a thing. So I'm sure the legal side is. Um, very laid out and clear. <laughs> so yeah, there's been some challenges for that for sure. Well, um, this year, like I know, um, the reason why they're running one car is because Subaru of America decided that, um, that they would only run one car this year. I had a small talk with Dan about that on an episode that. Maybe we'll never air. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Dan's recording. a busy guy. Hope hopefully you can get him. He's a very interesting guy. We I haven't had many too too many conversations with him, but when you do, it's usually very very good conversation. I got him on before Oregon, but that episode we didn't get to finish because he had to go run yeah, and take care of his baby. Um, yeah, and we got to the end of talking about Scott Speed. <laughs> which was our first driver we talked about out of 
every Subaru driver and everything that we could have <laughs> talked about. And we talked about him for like half an hour. And it's like, that could be like a three hour long episode if we really tried for it. Yeah, that might have to be a two part series for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, there's like, it's just so, in, like, everybody has so many stories. And it's like, when I sit down with people, I'm like, okay, I'll just ask, you know, simple questions and go from there. And then it's like, it just spitballs into like these interesting stories, like Rhiannon, for example. I never knew she knew Oliver Solberg, and then he come and then she comes in with a story about Oliver, and it's like, okay, well now that's something I know. It's like yeah. this podcast has just been me kind of learning things about drivers as well. Like for everybody, it's different. For everybody, they have different ways of getting into the sport. Like Rhiannon started as a driver, and then her dad uh, got her into co-driving for her brother, and then now she's here. Yeah. Right? Pretty crazy. And for, <laughs> and for David, it was he had a choice between trying to go to the WRC or racing in America. He chose racing in America, obviously, which gave him a longer career, and he's been trying to get back into it for a while. And I think now there's more of a push for him ever than ever for that. And I think there is partially a plan in place for him to return. It just relies on one very large thing to fall in place first. Yeah, I mean, he did some testing with, well, he didn't do testing, sorry. He did race for Barry last season, didn't he? Once or twice? Uh, two years ago. And then last two season years he came with uh, Kyle in a uh, Citroen DS4. Three, which wasn't even the planned car he was supposed to drive. He was supposed to drive uh, Kyle's uh, Fiesta R5 last year. That didn't happen, so they ended up flying out one of their uh, DS3 test cars or whatever from Europe for David to drive. And then he had the steering rack break on the car. So... Yeah, but, yeah. Know, it would be interesting to see a driver like him, or you mentioned Scott earlier. He's an amazing driver. I mean, he did rally cross and F1 and a plethora of other series over the years. But it would be really interesting to see what lies in the future for him without uh, rally cross supercars being a thing realistically anymore. Maybe well, he comes here's back the thing. and represents Subaru a Gymkhana grid. Like, who knows? Here's the thing you have to remember about Subaru or well VSD now. They now have four Group E cars. Yeah, so he could he come could back drive there. one of those. Mind you, I don't know how set in stone that is because when I talk to Dan, I can't go into detail too much because I don't know how much he wants publicized. But there were exactly. budgeting issues currently with what the future of those cars are. So, yeah, I've heard a few different sides to that. Um, I don't know how much of it is known, but it, I'm it, sure it's complicated. It's what complicated. They, they bought two more cars. 
for the potential of it to be a ride and drive or celebrity driver or blah, 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 blah. But that all relies on sponsorship realistically. That comes down to it. It seems to be the most common topic. Um, yeah. And, and the biggest difference between that program and their program with within the ARA is within the ARA, they have backing from Subaru of America. Yeah. Which is the... Sorry, go ahead. With the Group E stuff, they don't have that same backing. Yeah, and part of that is the fact that those cars aren't branded to any major automobile manufacturer. I mean, you look at some of the early interviews with uh, the company that builds those cars and Travis talking about the coming in to Rallycross and supposedly they were designed around being able to have different manufacturers body panels wrapped around them but in sort of a similar fashion of the nascar next gen cars but the problem there is is they don't have the amount of manufacturer backing like nascar does like nascar is in one way or another been doing that since the dawn of NASCAR, NASCAR uh, whether it, I mean in the last 20 years that pretty much all the power plants are loosely Chevrolet architecture based and the chassis are fairly well regulated to be very similar and it's just a matter of the bodywork matching the the sponsorship of the team but there isn't like say if if Subaru wanted to sponsor one of these e-cars they don't really have a sporty e-car to wrap that FCX one in. Like you're not going to, yeah, it, it's sports car right now. Although I mean, with the potential potential return of the STI as as an EV, then maybe. But that's still two, three years in the making more. or more. Um, I mean, sure, you could wrap it in a Ford Mach E body and it would be pretty similar to the Mach-E race car but then Ford would probably be like look we just want to run a modified Mach-E or yeah I don't know if Ford would want to put their body on someone else's but at least at least that at least the car underneath is a one-off purpose-built race car that isn't attached to a brand so that's a little more incentive to someone like Ford to do that but who knows it'll be interesting to see how well both sports develop obviously we we focus more on the stage early stuff but it's it's cool to follow the developments in the nitro world as well well i mean like speaking of manufactured cars around the fcx1 if apparently if you ask a certain uh writing company or media company apparently super is making the fcx1 into their own car apparently huh interesting i i I don't know if you've seen that article if not i'll send it to you but yeah somebody used the picture of the fcx1 as their featured image for an article about a new super ev car huh weird maybe because of the relationship with subaru and vsc and now vsc and the fcx1 cars like maybe someone got confused or (laughs) 
just judging from the comment section on Facebook, nobody knows what the FCX one is. Like, no, legitimately, no one does. I don't know how many people commented on some of your stuff. Is that a Tesla? Like, like, what is that Uh, thing? People commenting. I was, I was so. This is like a month after Ken has passed, and Travis is running this like really touching snow camo tribute livery, like just a a nice tribute. And so I, I post post about it. And people in the comments are saying, I wish it was a livery on a gasoline-powered car, actually. That would be a better tribute. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, guys, is this really the time and place to have the EV versus gas discussion? These cars are, like, the fastest in the world, and it's it's a tribute to a beloved friend. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm teaching people on the internet manners, but... <laughs> I'm here to teach people on the internet matters. I was like... <laughs> Sometimes it's just so hard to not say something. I know, <laughs> I know. I, I usually actually don't reply, but on that one, I was like, guys, honestly, like... Really? Come on. This is not the time or the place. <laughs> Comments off. Like, <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about this later. Um, like, not a memorial tribute post. But, oh well. I I almost like there were times after Ken passed where I had to have extreme self control over not flipping out on people, uh, especially on Twitter under like after the WRC retired Ken's number. There were just so many comments in there that I just wanted to go absolutely bat crazy on them, and I was like, I I need to have self control or else I'm going to end up losing my job, even though I'm yeah, already. I- <laughs> Even though I'm already a PR nightmare, I am not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't read any comment sections. Um, all I, I did on my own posts, I see comments. So. Um, the beauty of it being all me funded by me. I mean, we work in collaboration with other people, but it's my. More or less your page. It is my page and my run my business, so. If people are going too off the wall in my comment sections, I just turn the comments off. Or I delete them and I'm like, well, this is, you know, my, oh, oh boy, someone is cutting the lawn. Someone's cutting the lawn at nine o'clock at night in the dark. Oh. Uh, what kind of neighborhood do we live in? I'll close that window. No one would, that's unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. But yeah, no, people are. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports.